Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tim. And this is Get On Board, a podcast about games worth playing. Join us every week for great analysis on board games, pick fives, reviews, and all sorts of other entertaining board game talk. Some of our podcast listeners may notice that we have not recorded anything for a few weeks. And this Wait, is because podcast? we have a podcast. We do have a podcast and we oh, have man. listeners, but at least four of them. You may have noticed that we've not recorded anything for a few weeks. And this has been because we had a weird technical issue with one of our mics. And we actually had to send it back in to the manufacturer. And we thought that it was only going to take like a week and a one week stretched into two and two into three. So anyway, we are back. Here we are. So today we're going to kind of do a little bit of a variety show. Uh, we're going to kind of get caught up with what we've uh, been doing in the last three weeks. Sure. We bought some games. And, I mean, that section right there could take up the entire podcast for me. It's that sure. bad. Yeah. I, I actually have. I actually left several games off my list because I bought them for pickup at Geekway to the West, which will be my first gaming convention, not your first and our first since we've started to get on board. Yep, we live here in the good old Midwest, and so Geekway is not far from us at all. We have a friend who lives in that area, so we're going to be hanging out, getting a bunch of guys together. It's going to be a great time. So we're going to be talking about cons, yeah, too, here in a little bit. And um, also just talking about some of our recent plays. Sure. And a few other thoughts that we have about the kind of stuff we've been getting into lately in the in the in that's gaming-related. Sure. So, recent purchases. What oh has caught your eye? Oh, boy. Okay. Start with the big guns. Start with the big guns. Something okay, so really I have to talk you. about a pretty hot Kickstarter that just wrapped up uh, by Colossal Games. And I don't kickstart often, but, man, when you start name-dropping Dune, I'm talking, of course, about Imperius, which is a Dune-inspired uh, drafting and intrigue game where you're trying to exert control over... Uh, different planets on the table in front of you. Of course, it has the trademark plans within plans within plans, kind of player negotiation and secrecy of Dune. And it's just kind of a love letter to that story. Uh, all the characters are inspired by that. And we even unlocked a sweet uh, custom slipcase for the box that's kind of in a 1950s sci-fi vibe to it. So I am pumped for this game, man. I am super pumped for this game. I'm excited. The play looks great. And of course, the theme just... Man, the so is totally it kind grappling. of like a is it a negotiation sort of thing? Is that what it's emulating? That well, whole... sort of. They they've released the rule book. I haven't had a chance to read all of it yet. From what I can see, the interesting twist is it's a drafting game, but you're drafting your own nobles. So you have your kind of say your faction has twelve cards in it. You're gonna draft, but you're gonna end up with a mix of everybody's factions. Okay. So then you'll take it in after you've drafted, you will play on the different planets. And that's where you get into this bluffing game where, okay, maybe I'm playing one of your cards on this planet. Maybe it's even a good card for you, but I sure don't want to let you know, you know, that I'm putting it there or I want to downplay that or I want to tell you it's my card. And there are a couple mechanisms to where you can peek at what's being played, but the idea is you're kind of in these forced alliances because you are going to be playing other people's so you, cards. So you play these cards face down. Yeah. On those er Under these different you planets. Know, I was just watching a, a review for a game that looked very similar. At least, is this sort of area control area majority stuff? Not 
entirely because it's, Battle of Rokugan has that same kind of mechanic ah, mm-hmm. where you like place the tiles and yeah, upside yeah. down. And this would be more. This would be more. Each card has a specific effect, almost like a love letter type. Okay, where each character will do a different thing. And then you'll be playing them under all these planets to, to ultimately try to gain influence over the planets. But it's not so much of an area control or area majority game. It's more of like a so it, just kind of a special effects and manipulate these planets for points. To try another comparison, like in Forbidden Stars, it's like that orders component where like one player plays an order, the other one plays an order, the third one plays an order, and they sort of flip the top one and they each resolve one by one kind of thing. Yes, or? I believe it's more like that. Okay. Yeah. That's and again, I've, I've not had the chance. I've been so busy. I have not had the chance to read the rule book. I, I was just a sucker for the theme. Yeah. So I, I had to pull you. the trigger. And yeah. I actually had another gaming purchase fall through. Target canceled my order. Um, so I just went for this one instead. Mm. I didn't need another bulky dexterity game. So, so I got what, Imperius what instead. Bulk, now you got me curious. Oh, man. Okay. So I, I had attempted to buy Clask, which is almost like a foosball, magnetic foosball game. Where you've got these little pucks that you're I don't controlling. Think I've seen that. What? You, the the whole play surface is kind of raised on these little legs, and you reach underneath with these magnetic pucks, and they're connected uh-huh. magnetically to the top. And you're trying to control your puck from underneath and hit this little ball into the opponent's goal. There's a couple extra rules to it, but it's basically, you know, foosball, and you're reaching underneath the thing and, and moving like, it all over the place. More like air hockey, though, isn't it? Yeah, or? almost like air hockey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was saying foosball. But huh. yeah, that one looks super cool. I might end up buying that one also eventually. But yeah, Target canceled my order due to weather. So I figured the time was right to back Imperius with the same money. So <laughs> there you have it. Yep. Well, well, the first one I'll bring up on my new purchases is Gaia Project. Oh, he bought it. I, I did. He pulled I, the trigger, I, ladies I and gentlemen. Even though mm. I'm, I'm not a fan automatically of the pricing of, of that game. Yeah. And, and even just from an initial look, I'm trying to really struggle with why in the world is that thing priced where it's at in Terra Mystica, actually, which looks better and seems to have some better quality components, is priced lower. Yeah, um, it's it's a little odd. I'm not a fan of the, the presentation of that game. I'm not either, but uh, boy, I hate to say I bought it just for one thing, but that one upgrade in it. Well, there are a couple of things. First, I do love the sci-fi theme. I mean, yeah. just that's just gonna grab me any day more than the, <laughs> sort of that. Uh, and Terramistic is not bad, but it's just sort of this abstract fantasy theme that right. doesn't really do much for me. Uh, the second is I really like what they did with that. Uh, I don't know what they call it now, but instead of the cult track, where yeah. that that idea that the decisions you make on that track are far more impacting, and that every every rung you climb on that does something yeah. uh, effective. That just oh, that just sounds so good that, to me. That does sound like an improvement. And there, Mechanically, it looks like an improvement. I'll give you that. There is a very sentimental reason why I bought it, mm-hmm. which was when I was in Essen mm-hmm. in 2016. I was just kind of this was my first time ever in Essen, and I. I was walking by a table, and there were two designers talking kind of half German, half English, with something that looked like Terra Mystica on the table, but it uh. was space-themed. And <laughs> it was it was them. It was the designers of this game. or it was I, I believe it was one of the designers of Terra Mystica mm-hmm. and one of the designers who was working on uh, – on Gaia Project, hmm. and I saw the prototype. I saw this game. I saw them kind of like arguing about <laughs> that, what the mechanics should be like, and did it did it deviate from Terra Mystica too much? And I, I said, 
I, do you guys mind if I just stand here and watch for a little bit? And they said, <laughs> sure, whatever. And they just didn't even hardly pay attention to me. And they, they kept going. It was just so cool to be there. That's great. sort of like the birthing of this idea. And yeah. that alone was, I think, one of the big factors why I picked it up. Okay. Fair but, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So. Well, very cool. What else you got on your buys? Yeah. So I just picked up a little card game I'm hoping to play with my wife. This is my experimental side. It's called The Ravens of Three Sahashri. It's by Osprey Games. And this is an asymmetrical two-player puzzle game in which one of you plays this girl, Three, who has lost her memories, and she needs the help of her friend, Ren, to get them back. And so you're playing, one of you plays the girl who's trying to find her memories, and then the other of you plays Ren who's trying to help her kind of Mm -hmm. in that process. So it's a cooperative game where you're doing two totally different things and you've got the same end goal. So uh, my wife and I don't really play competitive games. We're too competitive, and we argue. Um, <laughs> so I'm always yeah. on the lookout for for kind of cool cooperative games. This one scored really highly. Uh, some of the guys on Board Game Geek that I follow, they ranked this really highly. So it was really yeah. cheap on Amazon. I picked it up. I'm gonna. I'm hoping to try it with my wife sometime this week. Well, I made the plunge and invested hardly anything into. A wonderful game called Gaslands. Gaslands. Oh my goodness. And I say invested hardly anything because it's just a book. You buy the book. <laughs> I, and I love this model that Osprey Games has. And I don't really know much about the company. Yeah. I, I guess they this isn't their first like game that does this where uh-huh. it's sort of like, here's the the book and yeah. you provide your own minis. You you make this happen. And I think that's how they started out. They've since done some boxed games, but I think that was originally what they were doing is just books. Honestly. Well, I'm a Car Wars and the computer game Auto Duel that came out of that fan from way back in the day. Back way when I played it on my Commodore 64. And I still pull <laughs> out Auto Duel every now and then and get it running in a DOS box or some emulator and, there you and go. play it front to back. Uh, it is just, oh, it's so immersive. Even even through the clunky graphics, you get the feel that you're in this, like, this post-apocalyptic wasteland. And, and Gaslands isn't like that. It's sort of like this Mars kind of yeah. uh, thing. So there's a bit of a different theme to it. But the combat is really just like sort of what I wish Car Wars was a bit more streamlined to be. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of, oh, man, uh, the cars that people are are, are painting in and the creativity behind this game is just so cool and yeah for sure people are uploading all these free 3d uh printing files for the terrain for cars even for for the dice for all this stuff and it's just it's just so cool to see like this people get behind this it's almost like an open source game yeah like they just released a source book say hey you buy the source book from us for, for 15 bucks or whatever and and then you make this thing what you want it to be Oh, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I really think this is going to be the first say, sort of true miniatures game that I'm going to really get immersed in. There you go. So, But but with the benefit of build your own miniatures. Right. Don't have to spend $100 on a couple plastic pieces. Just buy some Hot Wheels and paint them and mm-hmm. stick some machine guns on there and you're good. Oh, and I've already been watching the videos on how to do this. We'll talk about this in a bit. <laughs> but, but yeah, Gaslands. What else you got? Well, I guess it's a it's an Osprey Games podcast today because uh, I've also picked up Sakura, which is a new Reiner Knizia game put out by Osprey that's kind of got some of the deep sea adventure feel to it. It's a push your luck filler game 
So I'm pumped huh. to try that out. I haven't gotten it to the table yet. I've actually had it for a couple of weeks, but it just hasn't hit the table. But the idea is you're all court painters trying to paint the imperial uh, emperor. And basically, you're all trying to get close enough to paint the best portrait, but not too close, because if you bump into him, he's going to be very displeased. Mm-hmm. So it's very simple. Just every turn you flip over or you play from a hand of cards where... You move the emperor usually, and then yourself and maybe someone else, like whoever's in first or last. So it's just this kind of movement and hopscot or hopping over each other on this path, this stone path through the cherry blossoms. It's light, it's fun, it's well themed. You know, it's it's attractive. So I picked it up, and I think it'll be a good filler. But I have yet to try it. So <laughs> yeah, I've yet to try most of these games on my, <laughs> on my buy list. But we'll talk about recent plays. Those are on like you know last month's buy list but yeah another one i picked up recently is a grail game that's out of print and from what i understand will probably never come back into print and that is artipia games's project elite and Ah. one of the alien pack expansions um i've just kept kept an eye out on ebay uh for this i got to play that also in essen and it was right about the time the kickstarter was fulfilled and there was kind of a big massive people recall i don't know if anybody any of our listeners have or heard about that this is like a real time you know you check the dice it's it's the closest thing that i've ever felt in a game to sort of like starship troopers where all the aliens yeah. are coming at you and it's just buddha 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 with the with <laughs> with the machine gun you know and and they're coming in waves and and they're going to move if they move past a certain point in their movement phase like you stop the game every three minutes i think it was and and then they take their movement and then you go out there and you do it what you, what you can again in that time so it's really this fast-paced game i liked it a whole lot better than escape i love the theme and it comes with miniatures Ooh, them's fighting words but yeah <laughs> The miniatures, I guess, were the big problem. Um, They don't look bad. I think if they hadn't promised something a lot more detailed and a lot more intensely cool, um, these it just looks like the manufacturer didn't 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 treat these very well. There was a whole big backlash, and I guess Mm -hmm. they've kind of pulled this game semi permanently um, Mm -hmm. and said they're never going to produce it again. But I really wanted to get my hands on it, so I found it on eBay at a pretty much the retail price, which I just snagged it. So there you go. um, there you go. Yeah. Still kicking myself for not having bought StarCraft over the summer. I had an opportunity to buy it for 75 bucks. And I thought it's a little high. Now it's like, you know, 200 bucks for. So anyway, I kind of didn't want to kick myself a year from now with Project Elite. I mean, if wishes yeah. were fishes, we'd all cast nets. So. Yeah. So anything else you want to go over on your buy list? Yeah, one more, one more. Okay. Right. So I am dying to play this one i've tried probably four times in the past two weeks to get this one played and it has not happened for a variety of reasons grim slingers the northern territory uh, oh man do i want to try this and and let me be clear so the expansion adds new rules for how to play the game altogether. it also adds a bunch of new campaigns i'm not greedy i don't even want to play the new campaigns i just want to play our existing campaign with the new rules because it adds in character attributes and a bunch of other cool stuff. And we just died halfway through, halfway through the campaign. We didn't even finish it. We came really close. Uh, We lost against some, some boss dude, but because we were weakened by dynamite, we were weakened by dynamite and a couple other things. We came so close to beating him. It was a good story, but now I'm itching to get back into the campaign, play it with these new expansion rules. It adds a lot of cool stuff. The one thing it doesn't do, it does not streamline this game. This is not a streamlined game. He's 
uh, not really looking for accessibility in this game, mm-hmm. but it kind of leans into everything that makes Grim Slingers great. And if you're ready to sit down and bop out like a two hour session, I think the expansion is going to be really good. So you, me and Evan, we've got to get together. We do. We've got to make that happen. I think Evan is still like traumatized from oh, the loss. The oh. loss, the loss was hard. That was hard. I, and that shows you how immersive that game was. I couldn't yeah. accept it. Yeah. I could not accept it. <laughs> I kept sitting there at the table thinking this isn't over. Yeah. We were, we were just, fighting this isn't over we've gone so far and and i mean i remember we questioned each other are you sure that yep yeah are, are you sure it's in the story it's booklet like, oh yep. man well you died and oh. then evan and i are just punching this guy and then we get him whittled down to i think five health and then i die and then evan's gonna land one last hit on him he's down to two health and the guy happens to hit first and he just wipes evan out and he just destroys him and there, there we go. We are two health away from beating this giant boss, and we you know, failed. <laughs> I have, I have some story-based games in in my, in my closet still that I'm looking for, forward to cracking open. But so far, in terms of a story, a board game, yeah, that gets me close to an RPG. That's the closest I've ever yeah, come. Yeah, definitely. I love the story of Grim Slingers. Absolutely. So it's it's really good. So yep. we're gonna have to try that one. Finally, review it. It's so good. It's the short review. <laughs> yeah. One last on my purchases. I made the plunge for Cthulhu Wars. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is the one with Maxiatures. Uh, yes, Maxiatures. Oh, They're my not miniatures. He showed me these so, things. The box yeah. is big enough to house a couple small children for three years. It is house. Oh, <laughs> I told my kids they'd have to live in the box if they wanted to. Okay, the the thing about that is, okay, I am kind of a cheapskate, and it was on sale at, at just under half of its retail. Mm. I I couldn't pass it up at that. The That's the and I'm a fan of the Cthulhu Mythos, and I know yeah. that you're you're not. And I I'm say not. that, but that doesn't mean I have a ton of Cthulhu games. In mm-hmm. fact, I have. Almost none. I think this is really mm-hmm. my first full fledged. Mm-hmm. I don't. You're have a fan. Arkham. You're a fan. You're a legitimate fan of the Cthulhu mythos, meaning you've actually read Lovecraft and enjoy his stories, right? Not just general creepy tentacly things. And that's that's kind of actually why I've sort of stayed away from some of these games, right. just because I felt like, ah, uh, you know, it's so gimmicky anymore. Although I yeah. don't think Arkham and Eldritch. I think Arkham and Eldritch are, are trying to do that justice. Right. I've just stayed away from those mainly because of the playtime. I just yeah. didn't get a playgroup together. They're long, and also because I'm I'm like about the only person in, in that I know in my play circles that even would would play a Cthulhu uh, yeah or Lovecraft I, game. And I just don't I just don't go in for all the spiritual mumbo jumbo stuff that stuffed in those things i'm sorry i just yeah it's just not my cup of tea <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't really look at it that way it's it's sort of a i don't know they're they're almost like these weird alien supernatural things but um anyway yeah so i, I made i made the jump and i actually have a couple of guys in, in that i've connected with in a play group now who are interested in the mythos too so okay looking forward to getting that one there to you the go. table so there you go yeah well that's what we've been buying some we've been actually playing, you know. We've been buying. I haven't been playing anything. I've just been buying. Uh yeah. There was a great article 
about how to really enjoy the hobby and stop obsessing over purchasing games and play your games. And <laughs> well, reading an article about how to stop <laughs> obsessing is probably not a good way to stop obsessing. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. But we've been getting some new good new um, plays in. Ooh, yeah, have we? And one, I've, I've just got my five plays in, so I, I don't want to go too crazy on this one because I'm ready to review it. And that's Orleon. Wait, you've played Orleon five times? I have played Orleon five times. Oh my gosh. So I've yep. played it twice. Yep. It's really good. We I've played it now at, at two, three, and four player counts. Wow. So and I can say that all of the counts, mm. this is just a really great game. Yeah. Uh, my wife is not. I mean, it takes her a while to get into a Euro. Once she right. gets in, she wants to stick with that game. Can right. you imagine that? Somebody who views games as something yeah, to be right. replayed over and over again and invested in. Enjoy. That's my wife. So, and she doesn't like getting stuck with. She, you know, she often will tell me, "Don't teach me a new game." But, you know, I'm excited about some game. I made her play Orleon. Uh, she lost badly because it is a game that kind of rewards. It does, yeah. Uh, experience, and, and, and I told her that from the very beginning. She woke up at four o'clock the next morning. She told me, her mind just <laughs> racing with what she could have done differently, and she was like, "Oh, next time we play, I'm going to do this or that or this or that." <laughs> that's the mark of a good game, and that's not my wife to be doing something like yeah. that. So I don't know. That to me is just the mark of a good game. It is the best amalgam of a. Deck building, and I'll call it deck building, even though it's not yeah. cards. It's a pool building, okay? But it's the best amalgam of a deck building mechanic with a you're doing things on the board, like yeah. with a Euro game that I have seen yet. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how you count Concordia, because I guess technically you're hand building in that one. I, yeah. I actually put it in the same category as Concordia, where it's just this easy breezy kind of crunchy but not hard euro right and i really appreciate that you know you can get out and done in under 90 minutes and it's fun and it's easy to get up and running with it that's yeah really good euro really I, solid euro i feel like orleon gives you though a few more uh uh choices to manage i feel like it's a step up a little from from concordia yeah, complexity. Maybe it is. and complexity well concordia is the more elegant game <laughs> yeah but i still prefer concordia or the but- to me, a more interesting game. And oh, I've played man. them both about the same now. Yeah. So now I'll, I'll take Orleone over Concordia. That's not to say Concordia is a bad game. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm, I need to save some for the review. So, yeah. Uh, Can't give away all our secrets in one episode. That's that right. That wouldn't do. But Orleone's getting a lot of play. Well, in the same Euro-y vein, and not all or most of mine are Euro-y, uh, I, I got another play of Spirium in, bringing me up to a five-play threshold ah. in that. Um, I similarly trounced the three people that I taught the game to, but it was my first chance to play the game at four players, which I really enjoyed. I've been thinking about the replayability of it. It's kind of a very enjoyable experience for what it is, but it'll kind Mm -hmm. of always be the same experience. And I think I'm okay with that if it's something that I get out occasionally. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty positively received by the guys who learned it. And I told them at the beginning, I said, look out for the housing track, because if you don't pay enough attention to that, you're you're going to lose. And the, this is one that Andrew and I both uh, played. Uh, and we are planning on reviewing this, even though it's either between printings or maybe out of print right no, now. No, it's available. It's available? It's available. Yeah, okay. I just saw it on Amazon the other day. Okay. So, you know, it, it's a fairly inexpensive game. It does some very innovative things, but there is one thing that, I'm still wrestling with. I don't know if you're still wrestling with it, which is that housing track and how uh, how that just sort of maybe fits 
it's sort of like I can't say it's, un, it's it has an unbalanced power compared to the other ways you can get points in the game, but it's not necessarily out of balance because all players fight for it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's unbalanced at all. I'd just say that you know going into the game that you're all going to have to fight for that. And that's the part that I'm unsure about, you know, is that fun to know every game, well, I can't try something new. I This is the strategy, basically. Right. And we're all kind of competing to execute the same strategy. I think when I approach it with that mindset, I really enjoy the game. The strategy's fun, and... And that really puts a lot of emphasis on the placement and picking up of your workers, which is the unique twist of the game. Mm-hmm. I just question if, you know, am I going to want to sit down and play it every week for 10 weeks? Probably not. But am I going to want to break it out occasionally? Yeah, I, I might do that because it's pretty satisfying. We probably should have done this at the beginning, but for for those who might be curious about what Spyrim is, it's this really interesting sort of... Oh, semi-steampunk, although I wouldn't say the theme comes through super well. Uh, Game of these, you sort of lay out this tableau of cards and you place workers in between the cards. Yeah. And there's sort of like a competition to place the workers in between the cards. And then you pull the workers up. And whoever pulls the worker up can trigger one of the cards that that it is next to. But the the more workers that are next to those cards already, the more he's going to have to pay to do that. Right. So it's a really unusual because it has both a worker placement phase and a worker removal phase. Right. It's and, really interesting. And that's intriguing. Yeah. And boy, it's it's really... Uh, for for a game designer, boy, I'd almost recommend just... you know. Oh, yeah. This is like a game just to see what it does. I'd love to see that idea in more games. Yeah. William Adia is the designer. Atia. And I'm not sure if he's done more games, really, or if this is... Oh, my goodness. Same guy who did Kalos. I was not aware. Ah. But it looks like those are his two two main games at this point, Spirium and Kalos. Yeah. So, I, man, I'd love to see this concept revisited. Yeah. But maybe another time. Yeah, yeah, that's Spirium. Pretty interesting. Euro. So, one of my new plays, uh, didn't get through a whole game, uh, just got through stickering all the components <laughs> with you, Andrew, and playing through a couple of rounds. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot we did this. But really looking at, <laughs> yeah, really looking forward to playing a complete game of this. Yeah. Uh, Sekigahara, The Unification of Japan, a beautiful, beautiful game by a company whose ethic I adore and you've heard if you've listened to this podcast you've heard me gush about GMT games or as I like to call a game Memoir 44 done interesting it's Memoir 44 with user agency Stratego and uh, why okay so in Sekigahara it's it's a block war game yes and you are you are I guess simulating the battle is it was a battle in that place, yes. right? Of Sekigahara. Sekigahara is a crossroads in central Japan. So it sounds like you might remember more about the historical theme <laughs> there, but than I do. It's sort of like this boy, this boy king who's being protected by his army, and 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 one one player plays that side. It's a two player only game, mm-hmm. and the other the other player plays like the usurper trying to take take over. And of course, the blocks are facing you on both sides, or facing the player on both sides. So just kind of like the game Stratego, you can't see what's on the other player's side. Right, like. Oh, it's delicious. Memoir 44, which is a game I do not like. And you've heard me probably rail on this maybe a few other times in this podcast. I don't like it because 
just sort of like you have these cards in your hand um, and you know you need to go up the right flank, but you just don't have the right flank card. It's just silly to me that, that, that you're not able to trigger that. And the other, your opponent sees that. They see where your army is placed and they see what what you're what you're attempting to do, right? And so, and and they they know there's a chance that, that may not even happen. So I don't know. It's just I just don't like that that particular vibe. I know that that doesn't put me in a majority as far as command and colors is concerned. But Seki Gahara kind of changes that game up. Yeah. Because even though you need cards to trigger the armies, the different t- army types, the different unit types, mm-hmm. those units are facing you, and your opponent doesn't know when you're amassing armies. Right. Whether you have the cards you need to trigger them right now or whether you're going to whether you're just kind of bluffing. Yeah, there's a whole lot more of like fainting and countering and everything between the two armies in this one. There's a lot because of that hidden information, you know, in the game that we played, I threw a force at you without the cards to play it, hoping that, you know, I could test the loyalty of some of your men and you wouldn't you would have even fewer cards than i would and mm-hmm. i could route you know a larger force because you wouldn't have the cards available as it turned out you did have the cards available and utterly thrashed me but <laughs> you know that's that's the game you're playing yeah. you know you're bluffing and you're counter bluffing you're withdrawing and you're trying to tell your opponent that you're strong in all your areas when you feel weak in all your areas and, and unlike commanded colors you draw very generously at the end of your turn yeah so there's there's a good chance of of you being able to sort of change yeah uh, change things up for your next turn and you're going to have to discard half your cards and then mm-hmm. draw five which that's also interesting too because it doesn't encourage you to hang on to a lot mm-hmm. you it's like you if you can attack with a few units now, you, mm-hmm. maybe you should try to test that big army. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed the cards. The card system still felt constraining, but I enjoyed the constraint. It felt like it was better designed than the constraint in memoir where it feels like, well, I didn't draw what I needed, so I'm stuck. Here you have the wiggle room to, to find that plan B almost. Yeah. Well, we don't even have a full play of this in yet, so certainly we're not ready to review this game at all. We like to have five plays, as we tell our listeners, right. uh, before we review any game. But, but we were impressed by it. We are very impressed, very impressed by, by, it, by it, and the components are beautiful. My first GMT game, in yeah. fact. Yeah. So, so I'm joining the cult. I mean brotherhood. <laughs> I love well, it. let's keep the uh, East Asia theme going. I have been playing a game that is older than all of the games on this list by a couple thousand years. I have been playing Go on the computer, which I know is not the ideal way to learn it, but mm-hmm. it's what I have, so I have it on my smartphone. I've been playing it at the easiest level, which is 18Q, and I've been playing it on a 9 by 9 board, which is the smallest board, and my win percentage is still about 30% against the very easiest level here. Wow. So I am very bad at this game. And I'm looking at, I've found some excellent recommendations for some Go strategy books. So I'm, I'm, I'm colossally dumb. I started with literally no education in this game. I just started out by placing stones. So that's part of the reason my win percentage is so low. I, I have not read anything about this game. I've just tried to learn by doing. So now I'm going to try to learn by reading a little bit and see if I can ramp up my, my skill level in this. But this is a, this is a, beautiful game does the app give any kind of guidance or strategy help it lets me it lets me shade by territory so when it when i place a stone it'll then shade for me on the board areas i can expect to control with that placement almost so after i've placed it i can kind of see 
our expected territory shift in real time, that is a really good learning tool actually because it's helped me get a sense of, okay, when I place this one here, I'm actually staking claim to this part of the board and blocking him at this, you know, and it'll also highlight when one of your pieces is almost behind enemy lines when it can expect to be captured yeah. by, by the other side. So it, it, it has been helpful, you know, to use the app and to have the aid of the app. But yeah, I'm looking forward to buying a couple books. I, I'm thinking of, you know, watching or replicating, you know, tournament quality games just to kind of like spectate and learn learn in that way Mm -hmm. so yeah i am pumped to be diving into go i think man this is a beautiful abstract i'm excited to learn even just a little bit of what it has to offer yeah well completely opposite end of the spectrum (laughs) uh a recent play for me has been uh, uh several games of dexacon Mm. which is interesting. You can find Dexacon usually fairly cheap, and I always feel a little bit bad when I when I think about the history of this game. It was a game that was released as a word game deck builder right about the same time as Paperback, Paperback. Yep. by uh, Tim Fowers was released. Independently developed, but just <laughs> a shame that Paperback crowded Dexacon out. Right, and I see why Paperback crowded Dexacon out, uh, instantly because it has it has way more character yeah uh, it's in personality yeah then then that's probably a better word personality than 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 dexacon does you know you've got this uh writer what's her name um, page turner page turner right and Good old page. all of these you know funny novels that she's writing and you're building these words uh and you're doing like a dominion style deck builder and so you're thinking oh great i'm playing dominion but uh, i'm doing it in a word game and you think oh this is so novel so great i can get all of my word game friends <laughs> so novel. oh my gosh i didn't even realize i did that pun <laughs> i can get all my friends into uh i can get all my word game friends into like real games now through this uh, we'll do a review of it. Uh, paperback has some real problems for me. Yeah. It's a I game. did a text review. Oh, you did a couple couple weeks ago, months ah, ago, okay. something like that. So it's, great. it's older, but great. It exists. Yeah. <laughs> so Dexacon was one I wanted to try because it's not as, as flashy and fancy. I like the mechanics better. I haven't given it the five plays yet. I'm gonna have to see where where, where we land on this. I, I can't say that it's thrilled the people I've played it with as mm. much as. It doesn't have that wow factor that paperback has, but I think at its core, it's a tighter mechanic, and I just like it better. Yeah. You like deck builders, though, and I think that this game does not have the magic that's needed to really capture a word gamer. I'm still looking. So paperback, I loved and then soured on. Uh, Dexacon, I never really loved. Granted, I only played it once, so I'll give it another shot. Um, I'm looking at movable type. I backed the Kickstarter for movable type. That's an interesting... Is that Fowers also? No, it's... Uh, I'm thinking of hardback. Yeah, hardback is, is another one, actually, that I'd like to try because it kind of opens up that system a bit more. Movable type is is a word construction game, and then uh, Letter Tycoon is a, is a slightly older one that's been out for a little longer mm-hmm. that's lighter. That Both of those are ones I'd like to try because, yeah, I still haven't found the perfect word creation game. Yeah. They all have different compromises that i'm that i just don't like so 
Well, what else do you have on your on your playlist? Recent plays? Yeah. Well, I I had Dexcon on there, so that's good. I uh, got a chance to learn Bonanza for the first time. Oh yeah, which for me. mercy! This is a classic <laughs> that I've not played. That's right up my alley. Back when uh, UA Rosenberg made fun games. Oh, stop and it. <laughs> this is just a fun auction trading game about beans that you've got to go try. It's it's really fun and it's like ten bucks on Amazon, so you can't oh, yeah. you can't miss it. It has one of the more unusual mechanics I've ever seen in a card game, in which the order in which you keep cards in your hands, yeah, the, the order in which you draw cards has to be maintained, yeah, and that so is you really have to play them left to right in the order in which you receive them. So uh, that that kind of that puts a constraint in a card game that I've never experienced before, yeah. and so you really have to negotiate well, and you're trying to negotiate the cards out of your hand. That are kind of taking up those spots that right. would be that would be harmful to you right. if they played out. Because if you play a card sort of out of its sequence, it's going to hurt you. Sort of. Right. That's the easiest way I can think of. To- I I could honestly see this game. Maybe this is premature. I haven't even brought it out with my group yet. I could see it filling the similar niche to Sushi Go actually. And speaking as a gamer i would say this one's a lot more interesting oh, than yeah. sushi go to me i love sushi go and i don't i i love it as a as a light filler bonanza does not add that much more complexity but you're right that that just puzzle is it's a little bit more difficult and of course it adds in the negotiation which right. i'm a huge fan of as everyone knows so yeah i'm I'm pumped to bring this one out at game night, Bonanza. Aside from the garish-looking box and artwork, this one looks really solid. Well, another recent play that I'm really excited about. Last night, my son and I played our first game of 51st State from the Complete Master Set box. It is sitting right now in between our two microphones as we sit across from the table from each other in all of its... all of its sort of meeply, post-apocalyptically wooden bits glory oh <laughs> i just love this thing i oh get okay. me a trev check on so yeah ignacy set this in the Hiroshima hex world which that's mm. another game i need to get you to play yeah because that's a really fun game okay but this should this game should turn me off not because of its theme i love the post-apocalyptic that's theme. what turns me off what should turn me off about it is that it is essentially it is essentially trading bits for bits for bits for other bits to do the things you need to do. And but the bits aren't just cubes; they have cool shapes. And every every time you trade them, it feels thematic. <laughs> and the buildings you're building feel super thematic. And you're doing a really cool tableau build. And yes, of course. You can get the weaponry and trade it in for these raising tokens and raise other people's buildings. So it's it's sort of a Euro game that gets really in your face, and all the Euro things you do feel really thematic. Okay, you're you're selling oh, me on this. It is a, you're it, selling me on it's this. It's a it's a really cool ta- tableau builder. Um, we have enjoyed our plays of Arctic Scavengers. I almost want to say that this game could fire that for me, uh-huh. not because it's a deck builder mm-hmm. and not because Arctic Scavengers is a bad game per se. It's just this feels a more thematic and yeah. the puzzle is really just so interesting. And See, oh, it's so odd. We're going to have to talk about this at some point because some, okay, this theme actively turns me off. 
Why? Whereas I would say for Arctic Scavengers, I'm like mildly interested by it. It doesn't sell me, but it doesn't turn me off. Something, there's a fine line. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but post-apocalyptic in general is just dicey for me. Something about Arctic Scavengers just doesn't turn me off. Maybe it's the fact that it's so lightly themed. So have you seen any of the Mad Max series or I mean, no, the recent Mad I mean, Max Fury Road? That's just not my jam. And I think ultimately then that must be it. I mean, right. it's just probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a sort of. So I guess I'm overlooking it in Arctic Scavengers really because that theme is there. It's just you don't have to. It's not very intense. You've read Cormac McCarthy's The Road, though, haven't you? Yeah, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> really? Oh, man. I mean, it was it was interesting, but it's not something where I said, oh, I want to bathe in this. I don't know. Oh, is, this where, is this where we should take a diversion into literature? You kind of threatened to do that today. <laughs> now, classic sci-fi. Now, that is my jam. Isaac yeah. Asimov, Ray Bradbury. Oh, yeah. Uh, Frank Herbert. Oh, man. I was I was sick on Monday, and I read the entire novel of Dune just in one wow, sitting. in one sitting. I just didn't have anything else to do. You That's can amazing. still hear it in my voice, I'm sure. But, yeah, I read that. Just finished Foundation by Asimov, the whole trilogy, and uh, The Martian Chronicles by Bradbury. So I'm kind of on a sci-fi kick right now. You know, I really but, would encourage gamers. Uh, let's just take this aside for a minute. Sure. Uh, I really would encourage gamers to read. I and to yeah, read read reading read about good. these universes where these games are set in yeah, where they come totally. from. Uh, if you wonder why people love the game Alien Frontiers, or if they don't really love the mechanics, why they'll refuse to <laughs> not like it because because of its theme, you know, and uh, all those places on Mars that are named after uh, yeah, after cool. the the authors, etc. Really cool. Uh, it is just so cool and so charming in some ways to read the old sci-fi that I guess now is almost considered steampunk because the technology in a way our technology has gone in some ways way above yeah but and and not to not to go on too far of a tangent here but this to me is really interesting where Herbert even is a little bit different than Asimov and Bradbury so both of those mm. guys, you know, they had this vision of computers, really powerful computers. And that's the part that makes it seem quaint because we have really powerful computers and they're just very different than what they envisioned. Herbert imagined a sci-fi where computers have been outlawed 10,000 years ago and humans are so advanced that they actually have mentats now that are way more powerful than any computer ever was. And so huh. he humanizes the technology and it still bites today. Like the the story that he tells, you don't get taken out of it by him, you know, describing some computer operation because there are no computers in the, in the story. It's just uh-huh. this such an immediate humanist kind of story. Oh man, it is man. And it's I so have good. Never read Dune. I watched you the mini series, but I've never read, read it. So it's, I need to. It's quite good. I need to. I recently read uh, C.S. Lewis's Out of the Silent Planet. Many also people very don't good. realize that uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a space trilogy. Yes. Which is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, I'm That's on some of the best stuff he did. Paralandra right now, which yeah. is really, really good. But read about these universes. I, I just think it just really captures the imagination and just makes makes playing these games so much more interesting. And yes, I haven't read any. Um, no, I guess I take that back. I have read the post-apocalyptic uh, masterpiece 
that is uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Mm. And don't get me started on Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy, I think, is one of the greatest prophets of our time. Mm. And that sounds weird to say that because it sounds like I'm saying something religious. What Cormac McCarthy is doing in books like The Road and in books like No Country for Old Men you watch the movie of that if you don't have time for the book. The movie really did it justice, actually. He is a he is a prophet showing what happens when humanity loses touch with with its morality. Yeah, and he's really forecasting. I think a lot of what what can what could be on the horizon for humanity. Yeah. Um. So I just I just highly in, encourage these reads. It just makes the the stories that much the, uh, pop out that much yeah. more in the in the bits of cardboard and, and, <laughs> and cards that we play and push around. This has been so, our podcast. Get on books. Yes. <laughs> in fact, this entire podcast has been an opportunity to shift to yes to, to shift our format to. We've been wanting to tell you this for a while now. <laughs> well, one Not more really. recent play I've got that I've yeah. I've got to talk about. So one of my favorite games is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And yep. I actually finally got my fifth play of this, which means it's eligible for review. Mm-hmm. Kind of a theme here. But Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a very hard game to do well at. Kind of the benchmark that's set is 100 points, which is equaling Sherlock's efforts. And anyone who's played the game will tell you that it is extremely hard to get even close to 100 points. I... I don't know anecdotally of anyone who's who's done it. Hmm. And I will tell you guys candidly that my worst score in the game is negative 135 wow. points, which is even worse than Quinn's from Shut Up and Sit Down. So it is really monumental. You're freaking me out there, too, because I have a different set than you do. You're playing yeah. the second box, right? I'm, I'm still on that first box. Yeah. And actually, I think after we finish this one, we're going to loop back to, to your box. Oh, we'll switch. Yeah, there we go. Swap them. There we go. That'll that'll be cool. But I mean, in in the first box, we've done pretty poorly and never Mm -hmm. have gotten that bad a score. So they must have really ramped up the difficulty. The one case that we did that bad, first of all, our friends sent us a text the other night. They're barring the game and they said, man, this case was really hard. We got negative 20. So they're smarter than we are. That's the first thing that I've learned. (laughs) But the case had a couple red herrings that we got tripped up with. So we did poorly. But that's not the play I want to talk about. The play I want to talk about, we did case number 10 in the, oh, which box? It's the Jack the Ripper box. It's the second box, yeah. Sorry, this is spoiler free. This is spoiler free. Yeah, don't lose yourself I, here. I just want to beat my chest a little bit because we scored 75 points in our case, which wow. is the best we've ever done. We followed fewer leads than we thought we'd have to, and we took a stab on one or two of the questions. We got every single question right. Mm-hmm. And man, we were just so proud of ourselves at the end. We were just so proud of ourselves because everything turned out exactly the way we predicted and we felt just as smart as Sherlock Holmes. Well, 25 points less smart than Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. But boy, it was it was super fun. Which and still puts your IQ at a pretty darn high level. So It probably puts yeah. my IQ at about 75. So for what it's worth. <laughs> so tell me in in the second box, I'm curious. In the first box, and I don't think this is giving anything away, but a lot of the solutions are tied to what I would call encyclopedia encyclopedia brown clues. Huh. Did you ever read those books when you yeah. were a boy and yeah. it's sort of like that one little detail like, yeah. you know, he I remember one where he uh uh, you know, pull the tarp back on this bike that had supposedly sat there for a long time. And the guy yeah. was saying it wasn't stolen. And it says, you know, the bike, uh, the beautiful bike uh, lay against the, the, the green grass. And you realize, 
and that was the clue. Like, mm -hmm. aha. Yeah. It, it, it was green grass, so it couldn't have been under the tarp very long. And so right. if you look for that one clue, huh. you got and, and I we did that in the first episode, and the first two kind of, and it was sort yeah. of like Okay, well, if you just sort of listen for that detail, that kind yeah. of makes it almost too easy. Honestly, uh, I've had the opposite. We've read things and just had no clues whatsoever. In fact, uh. the most frustrating, the two most frustrating cases that we've worked on have been cases where it was dependent on some little detail like that, and we missed it, and we just wandered around in circles. The more satisfying ones have been where it's, you know, some some other leap of deduction that's not tied to how carefully you can read the text. I mean, that's part of it, right. but it's not just some tiny detail stuffed in there that you're going to miss even on the fourth time you've read it. Yeah. So, but the cases are uneven. That's the thing you have to know about this game. The cases are uneven. I think they're getting better. I think every edition of the game has improved it, but they're, they're just uneven, but even so it's worth, it's worth the 50 bucks. Ten cases, each one's going to take you two or three hours. That's tons of enjoyment oh, yeah. for the price. We we just finished the five standalone cases in our box. We're about to start the Jack the Ripper campaign, and I'm super pumped How because they carry together, and you have to catch him by the end. It's a testimony to how versatile this game is when two of my plays have been on long road trips. <laughs> My, my, That's a brilliant time to do it. My wife sits there next to me in the car. She reads and and uh, you know where she's writing down the clues, and I'm trying to remember them. I, I mean, the only disadvantage is if you're driving, you obviously can't take the time to write, right. you know, to to keep a notebook. But right. boy, I mean, you have all that time together, and it's just kind of it's just a cool thing to to yeah, to definitely a cool story that helps pass the time. And um, boy, yeah, so. There's a board game for you. You can play while driving. Yeah. So one of my one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah. So that covers our recent plays. Yeah. Shall Anything we... else about the hobby that you're that you're into these days? Or oh, well, that's about a leading question if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I'm leading into into mine, but I'm curious. Yeah, okay, go so, on. Tell us about your right, new addiction. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> you know, it's not a new addiction yet. It's a it's a compulsion to an addiction. It's a compulsion, yeah. It, it's I'm leaning in the direction Gaslands has opened up something for me, mm. and I can't believe it. Gaslands has done it. Okay, I have a lot of miniatures games here. Now I don't go into the whole expensive miniatures games. I, I just don't do it. So I'll wait till I see something on clearance. He goes headlong into cheap miniature games. Yes, I do actually. I'll buy close. <laughs> I'll buy like closed systems, right? So Simon had this incredible sale last year, and I bought pretty much the entire set of Ribbit Wars right. uh, from it because uh, you know now I know. Look, I have it all. Um, if I want to paint it, I can, but I'm just really more interested in playing it than painting it. Right. Uh, Gaslands is the first game that has really just made me want to paint the minis. And it's odd because there comes with no minis, as we said earlier, right. it comes with matchbox cars, but it's so cool to see how people are tricking out their matchbox cars. Right. And I'm, I'm, I've been watching videos on how to, you know, prime and lay down a base coat. And shout out to Jamie for how the to secret do. cabal. That's right, Jamie. I love that. <laughs> love that. The trans Amy did with the skulls in the front. Woo. That, that's just sharp looking. I'm serious. It, it's just so cool to see. And there are also cool videos out there, you know, that you can watch what people are doing and kind of how they're envisioning creating this land. And, of course, even people selling some of the miniatures that are, like, super professionally painted. And I I mean, it's, you know, crazy money for that stuff. But Put that on Etsy. 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm. This game, I think, is going maybe the game that gets me into painting. And there's okay. something less intimidating about painting a matchbox car. Yeah, in a post-apocalyptic way which you're putting dings in the car and rust so it's not like you're going to ruin like this perfect right warhammer miniature that you right. paid you know two hundred dollars for or something like that <laughs> so it's it's a, just a really interesting way to sort of get into this hobby and and what people are doing for the guns and the weaponry is so cool i saw one guy just do a bunch of stuff with um you know, like a little transistor component with the three mm-hmm. pins on it mm-hmm. mounted to the side and painted. Looks like yeah. some kind of tri-gun, you know? And yeah. It's, it's really cool to see the creativity that people oh, are doing just dude. with salvaged parts. You get some awesome stuff off an old motherboard. Yes. Just, the resistors are incredible. Yeah, they just kind of tear, tear an old motherboard apart. You could get, like, extra f- external fuel tanks, those little batteries and stuff. And right. Just all sorts of stuff. Those little capacitors. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of, like... Put one on the back as like an ex supercharger or something. Totally. Yeah, yep. Paint those guys up. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> it, it, it. It's the first one that that's gotten me. I, I again, it's just I think it's because I feel like I can mess up a Matchbox car and yeah. pitch it and go on with yeah, life. Yeah, no big deal. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll so have to try the game. Make sure if the any of our listeners too. have any advice on painting, uh, feel free to let me know. I've been watching stuff on dry brushing and washing. And uh, today I watched a really cool video about how to take like any image, uh, print it on your printer, and then kind of decal it onto hmm. like the side of a vehicle. Um, so it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool. So send us your feedback at hello at getonboard.games. Yeah, yeah, that love works to hear now, from you. So love to hear from you. Any other gaming related thoughts you have, my friend? I'm not leading this time. Okay, speaking of our email address. This has been hooked up our whole time in radio silence, but we actually got a piece of mail. So here's your opportunity to play your post song. Yes! Here's the post, quick as a ghost. It is the thing I love the most. When it comes, I long to boast. Post! Oh, it's as bad as ever. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Well, we have oh. this message from Keeping the Peace, and Keeping the Peace asks, Hey guys, what is your favorite game to play with your spouse? Are there any games that you don't play with your spouse because they bring too much controversy to your marriage? Okay, Keeping huh. the Peace is a wise person. He is I can a tell. very wise person. Um, because this is a big problem. My wife and I do not play competitive games anymore, and when we do, we play Carcassonne to ensure that she kicks my butt. Because uh-huh. that's a scientific fact. It's Newton's fourth law. So, yeah, I, the way Alicia and I have fixed this or solved this is we only play cooperative games together. Mm-hmm. And they can be really hard cooperative games. We're fine with the game kicking our butts. We just don't want to be kicking each other's butts because primarily, you know, we're gaming to unwind. And my wife is not as much into games as I am, though still a gamer, you know. And. She is competitive, but doesn't want to necessarily test her wits against me. I would be up for the competitive stuff, but just for the sake of our marriage, it's better to cooperate and to work together on something. And, you know, that's a fun way to do a date night. So our most played game is Codenames Duet. We've played that 50 times. I kid you not, 50 times um, because we like the puzzle of it. And we play a ton of escape. Do you still like the puzzle of it or is it wearing on you? Yeah, it's good. 
It's really. I mean, we can almost play that one as a light filler at this point. We can knock it out in about five minutes. Huh. Because it's, you know, two-player. We know each other really well, so it's it's fun. You know, yeah. it's fine. I am picking up the pictures version just to spice it up. Try it. I'm going to play duet with the pictures. We play we play duet with the Dixit cards sometimes just to use Dixit hints. So we've, you know, come up with some twists on it. Escape cool. is another one that we've played probably two or three dozen times two-player. Wow, so that's a we've lot played, of plays. Yeah, Man. We've, played, we've played Escape a lot, two-player, and we like to ratchet up the difficulty really high mm-hmm. and just take it as a challenge and then yeah actually sherlock holmes we play that one primarily two-player because that's man that's a great date night game just to you're talking a lot you're interacting a lot that's just a great way to spend time with your spouse so my advice keeping the peace would be cooperative games are an awesome way to spend time with your spouse and if one or both of you are competitive they ensure that you're working together that you're on the same playing field now that's kind of half of our story. So, like, we we do play cooperative games mm-hmm. a lot. We really like Bastion. We're just about through with all of the uh, campaign levels in it and have really enjoyed that one. Pandemic is a, is a solid go-to. I don't know why, uh, but I really like that one with two players. Hmm. That's a much better count for me on mm-hmm. both Pandemic and Forbidden Desert. Those games do see a lot of play from us, but... Like, there are games that we will play where it gets pretty competitive. Yeah. And when we're done, somebody's, you know, salty. (laughs) And we think, well, yeah, you know, I'm not going to bring that one out again. But then there are other games that we play where it is competitive, but it doesn't feel terribly competitive. Yeah. And Feast Road is one of those. Yeah. I enjoy I playing that, that with my wife yeah. more than any other game that we have yeah. because it's an interesting puzzle to solve. And in a two-player game, you're rarely in each other's way or if somebody yeah. does go where you, where you wanted to go, there are other things that you can do. Yeah. And in the end, it's sort of like when we finish, we're like, huh, like I was able to up my score by five points this yeah. time. Yeah, how many? Yeah, that's better than you did the last time. I remember that. You know, it doesn't matter who won. Right, because it, we're, it's sort of like we played this kind of solitaire game, interesting <laughs> solitaire game, where we interacted in a very amicable way, yeah. and we just sort of improved our scores, and it was just a fun way of spending the evening together. Yeah. So I would say we're more into sort of like those really non-confrontational yeah. heroes, and maybe that's why I tend to like those more than you do. Yeah, because it's that's not really part of the story of your, at least in your two-player experience. That's true. Yeah, Alicia will not really touched most euros yeah so that's that's a good point oddly enough Catan was one of those now we didn't play it as a two-player game but Mm -hmm. we played as a family (laughs) Catan was one that i got rid of because uh it was like destroying our our i mean we would have a terrible time yeah playing Catan. yeah um and a lot of it had to do with when somebody got that road cut off yep or somebody played that monopoly card and took all of uh the ore that you had been saving up uh, for some reason, that game in our family just felt really visceral. And it's strange because I've played it in other settings where it doesn't feel that that strong. But I yeah. I, I guess part of it just depends on, on personality. And maybe it is that idea that your plans can be so waylaid yeah. in that yeah. that it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. But um, Carcassonne is one that we no longer play together just because. I'm, I am not kidding, folks. Alicia's win percentage in that game is 87, 88%. I mean, wow. I log my plays. We've played 30-plus games of Carcassonne, and she stomps me. I, I'm a, 
decently smart guy in most games. I understand Carcassonne. I realize it's a pretty simple game. I do not go easy on her, I swear. But, man, that's bad for our marriage because I get salty. You know, <laughs> sheesh, Alicia kicks my rear at Carcassonne <laughs> consistently. So, yeah. but that does actually, one thing that I would I would mention, if you're looking at getting into two-player gaming, it can be pretty rewarding. I mean, I'm looking at my list of most played games. Codenames Duet is at the very top with 53 mm-hmm. plays. Escape the Curse of the Temple is, is next with 51 plays. Carcassonne is up there with 37. Pelago, 35. Uh, even Mealborn, we played 27 times. Right. So, I mean, not all of my most played games are two-player only, and not all of these were played the two of us necessarily. But still, it was a good chance. You know, we've played these a lot. And when they're familiar and when they're something that you've done a lot, that's just a really, really good way to spend time together. Yeah. And it's more interactive than throwing on a movie or something. And, man, that's just a that's a good way to spend time with your spouse. So I really recommend it. So I'll recommend just a few more that like Karen and I have kind of walked away from the table, both feeling just very amicable, sure. regardless of who won. And that would be Russian Railroads, uh, Marco Polo. Castles of Burgundy, and of course the previously mentioned Feast for Odin. Those yeah. would be like the competitive ones yeah. that we would play. And Lords of Waterdeep, although sometimes like ugh, that gets Lords of Waterdeep has that one thing in it in those um, mandatory quests. Those mandatory yeah. quests, boy, you smack you can somebody play without them. I know, and we need to. We need yeah. to the next time we play. It just it just stings when you get hit with one of those. Yeah. Uh, just a slap in the face. But those are those are the ones we. Those are the two-player competitives that we tend to play if you're really looking for something a little more competitive and not just purely a co-op. It's a a mindset thing. You've got to approach it with that mindset, I think. Because you can Mm -hmm. play Russian Railroads competitively. Yes. And it still hurts. You just kind of have to sit. But You almost have to say at the outset, like, we're just going to take this one a little more. It still hurts when, when, you know, when she's moving up the factory track and so am I and she gets (laughs) it on that final round and gets to the 30 points. And, well... Of course, you know, you know, you'd rather you'd rather go the other way, but it's not that one. It's not so. It's sort of like you understand why the person had to do it. Right. It's it wasn't like a direct attack. It was right. just, yeah, it, it okay. advantaged you too. So yeah, of course, you know, you, you would have to do that. So, yeah, yeah, a game like Risk or Nexus Ops or uh, Rune Wars or something like that would not be the kind of thing <laughs> I'd play with my spouse. But very, very good question. Peace monger, peace friend, peace keeping the peace. That yeah, him <laughs> keeping the peace or her. Yeah, and we we remember all of our 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 uh, subscribers, you know, including what's his name here. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, if you've got a question that you would like answered because we're just that smart, you can send it in at hello at getonboard.games. So go ahead and send that in. You'll get a chance to hear the awful mail song yet again. No taste. No taste. <laughs> so. Well, I think I think this pretty much wraps up our Return to Respectability episode. We've talked about games. We've even done a, a mail question. We're, we're back on the wagon, back in the saddle. We're back on board. We're back on board. There, there you, you go. go. There All you right. go. And if All you right. want to get on board with us, we mentioned this at the top of the episode, but we are going to be at Geekway to the West in St. Louis this May. If you happen to be at Geekway to the West and you there want you to go. say hey, then we will say hey. 
Catch a game with you. This has been another episode of Get On Board. You can find us on the web at www.getonboard.games or anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We release new episodes every Monday, except when we take unforeseen breaks for microphone repair. And we release written reviews when we finish them. As always, this has been Get On Board. Thanks for listening. Bye. Let's not use any of this.